1: Hey everyone, we are back uh, talking to Bill Smith. And as we've said, he has released this booklet through New Growth Press entitled Obsessed With Your Phone. Disconnecting to Connect. And we're having questions kind of centered on that. And uh, today uh, the question is, you know, what's some advice or, you know, guidance or some boundaries that you would give parents as they help their children deal with proper phone usage? I know this is a a big question of, you know, is there a magical age and uh, all of those things. And, uh, you know, we we know that part of of what we need to do as parents is model this behavior that um, oftentimes uh, parents need boundaries just as much as, as students do, uh, you know, as you stated in the booklet, and I think it was on, on Monday that people pick up their phone about 150 times a day, and that we, you know, touch, tap, swipe their uh, screens around 2,617 times, which is unbelievable to think about. And so as we're thinking about that as adults, and we think, okay, we're putting these devices into hands of You know, I know that there are middle schoolers and and below middle school, you know, eight, nine, ten-year-olds who get these devices. So just kind of giving us some advice and and guidance there.
0: Yeah. Uh, Again, if I were to think about two polls, uh, on one are people who would say, here is the absolute hard number, your, your, your magic number, to, to put it in that phrase. Um, Do not give a smartphone to anybody below the age of 72. Yeah, that, that, that kind of, <laughs> that's a small joke. Thank you. Um, the, the other side of that would be, oh, it doesn't matter. Um, hmm. Just that it, it's something that everybody's got in this society and they better use it, learn to use it now. Hmm. I think you have to have discernment as a parent. I have three kids. I love all three of my children they're all very different. Mm. They're, they're different uh, in their physical developments. Um, we have uh, we have one child who's, who's below the, the average and we have another uh, who's like pushing six two and you just think <laughs> how is that possible? But what you see on the outside is a reflection also of their differences inside. They're not all emotionally the same maturity. They're not all intellectually the same, uh, maturity, even at different ages, even within the same family unit. So I think parents have to be involved. Uh, you, d- you don't get a pass on this one. Um, frankly, I don't think you get a pass on being a parent in, in anything. I think it, it, it makes you tired, exhausted, and it, and it drives you to Christ because there's no way that you can parent, um, without him parenting you. Hmm. So what do I think, uh, if we get past that, um, please give me a hard fast number, you need to be patient. I think that's one of the the key elements of being a parent. You're aiming at the long-term good of your child. Your goal as a parent is to equip a young person to mature over time so that they can leave. (laughs) Parents don't want to hear that, um, but that's frankly what you're doing. Um, It's not that they're going to abandon you, Actually, I think if you do your job well, you give them reason to want to continue a relationship with you. But then that means that I am regularly opening up spaces in my children's world for them to try things. And we've had explicit conversations with the kids that say, this is now a time for you to try something um, and to fail. And to try something and to succeed. But either way, I want to be close enough with you in that process that we can continue to talk about it, think through it, strategize about it for the failures. Why did that happen for the successes? Why did that happen for the failures not to be so down on yourself? You never try anything anymore for the successes, not to be so arrogant that you think you're now God's gift to the world, but constantly engage. And I think you have to do the same thing with the phone. That means that I wind up spending far more time talking about phones than I really want to. Not because I need the conversation, but because they do. Uh, Because it's not enough to say, you have half an hour screen time a day, and and if you go over that, then I'm taking all of your phones away. Uh, I can do that. That's within my right, my ability, in my home. But they're going to leave my home. Which means that all I'm really doing is kicking the can down the road, and I'm saying, this is too irritating for me to deal with, therefore you deal with it on your own when you're all by yourself and you have no counsel. I think wow, I, I'd like to offer them something better than that. So, number one, parents, youth workers, pastors, patience. There is no way to shepherd God's people without patience.
1: Hmm, that's so good. I'm do. I'm going to jump in. I'm sure you've got some more, but that's some excellent advice because it is. I mean, I've I've kind of said you know, I know students kind of middle school and younger, they don't need these devices because of just how dangerous it is, you know, out there. But at the same time, it does need to be introduced before, you know, they leave your house. Because if you just say no smartphones until you're out of the house, well, they get to college and then they get a smartphone for the first time. and yeah. They're just going to dive in head first. And so for you to say, You've got to be patient. You've got to have all of these conversations that you're probably getting tired of having. But, you know, these are young image bearers of God that we are, you know, by God's grace, I mean, he's given us these children to steward. We've got to have these conversations with them um, to, to to help them understand this better. So I think that's just... Some good advice, very much um, easier said than done, (laughs) for sure, Um, but some advice that we need to to pray that God would give us that patient heart uh, to walk alongside them in the midst of that. So that's very good.
0: And what do I do when when, when I'm irritated, John? Because I get irritated, and I think, why are we doing this again? We just (laughs) had this conversation yesterday or 20 minutes ago. Why why are we doing it again? And I realize in those moments, God has those conversations with me constantly. I look back over 30, 40 years and I think, Lord God, when am I going to get X? When am I going to get this so that we no longer have to have this conversation? So I no longer feel the conviction of your spirit so that I'm actually relatively in control and in charge of my life. And I think, I don't know, but thank you, Lord, that you're still willing to hang in there with me and still willing to parent me. Even when I'm irritated with my kid, you don't get irritated with me for being irritated with my kid, even though we've already had that conversation about being patient. I just think that's huge. Um, what else for for parents, youth workers? Uh, I think you need to frame the discussion. Um, so you can you can choose to have the conversation just about phones as though they were an isolated element of life, or you can choose to have the conversation about what's the good of discipline? What is the good of limits? Um, is it just so that somebody can have the freedom to say no to everything that you want? And you realize, no, <laughs> discipline and limits are for what? They're for your sake. They're, they're so that you actually have a shot at living a real life that you're gonna enjoy. In, in that sense, you, you can talk about phones or you can talk about homework or you can talk about chores and learning to master the chaos of your own room uh, and realize that that's actually freeing you up to have a life. Um, limits in that sense are not a bad thing. They're, they're a life giving kind of thing. I remember this conversation from somebody who was not a Christian. Um, was a sociologist. He studied time, which nobody studies time, but he talked about, uh, writing deadlines. And he said, I I don't think of them as deadlines. They're actually lifelines because they give you back your life (laughs) because (laughs) at that point you don't get to write anymore. It's now all
1: done. (laughs) That's a good perspective.
0: It was. What he did, it was a very positive way of thinking about limits and thinking about the discipline that a limit imposes. And so I want to have that larger discussion before I then say, okay, now, what does a certain limit look like here? Now, for instance, in, in our home, there are phone free zones. You do not bring a phone to the the table when we're all sitting down together at a meal. Uh, It's not allowed to be on the table. It's not allowed to be in sight. And you certainly are not answering it. Hey, man. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Because there's a conversation taking place in front of you. And we don't want anyone distracted by this electronic thing when you actually have a real live face-to-face engagement possible. And we did that before uh, phones actually made their appearance in our home. So if the if the landline rang, the answer machine will get it. Uh, dinner will not be forever. <laughs> and somebody will be able to get up and go answer that later. Um, I think for younger kids, it is appropriate to say there is a set amount of screen time that's appropriate. And I am think it's healthy for you as a young person to understand you, indulgence, unlimited indulgence, is not actually a gift. That's uh, actually taking things away. Other people want to say, okay, smartphones don't go in the bedroom. They don't go in the bathroom. The, the places where you might be tempted, um, either sexually or just you, you're you have the door closed and nobody knows not what you're looking at, but how long you've been looking at things. I know of other people who have a little phone basket. Everybody's phone goes in the basket when they. And, and there's just value to as your own family unit understanding, what will we require of each other? Now, there are times where it's an emergency um, and a phone needs to be at the table. Uh, I've served as a pastor before and there's times where something's taking place. That's an exception. It's an exception that you explain for what? For the sake of other people, I'm now willing to maybe interrupt our interactions, but this is an exception. It's not something that happens regularly. What else? I, I think the, the the side that gets focused on a lot with phones is the negative. How can we, again, Bob Newhart, how can we get you to stop that? The best way to stop that is to find something that's much more appealing and much more compelling. Um, I borrowed this from a friend. So when my kids were very little, I started taking them out on uh, Friday morning breakfast dates. And I would single out each kid to have a different Friday morning before school started, um, where it's just you and me, and we're just going to uh, go to the local diner, super cheap, um, but this is just special. I was talking to one of our older kids the other day, because we went out to grab a cup of coffee together, and I was just amazed. We we sat there for an hour, just having a conversation, you realize this started with you when you were four. (laughs) So now it's just normal. It's not weird, it's not strange. Uh, You can actually look me in the eye. We can have a conversation why we've practiced this. Um, And it's so good that that the the kids always knew whose Friday it was. And and they would remind me, hey, it's my turn tomorrow, right? You want to replace, you don't just want to say no and leave a void. You want to say there's a limit to that element of your life. Why? Because this other piece is so much better and so much more rich, Um, I think that's that. There's value there. No, maybe was there. I don't know if you want to interact with no, that. No, that's
1: that's very good. And, and like you said, I mean, that kind of goes back to patience. I mean, like you said, those conversations, you know, started at four years old, and there's been practice there in place. And I mean, over the years, just kind of developing this this relationship, and you know, kind of uh, again putting a positive spin on it. That as we, you know, see. And think of the commands in Scripture. We know that this isn't because God's just a killjoy; uh, that God puts these boundaries in place uh, to for, for His glory and for mankind to to flourish. And so to to think of it in that way and to help you, you know, again, as our job as parents. We, we've got to help our children see that uh, that we're not doing this to to keep you from from fun or, or missing out. We love you, and you know, we're wanting to protect you from from dangers and. The evils that are out there, but we also want to know you as a person and, you know, yeah. using the, the dinner table as an example, yeah. we, we actually want to have a conversation with you and we want to, you know, hear what you're excited about and what you're afraid of and, and things like that. And so, you know, as I said, <laughs> amen. I mean, one, it does, I mean, just, letting people know my heart a little bit. It drives me crazy when I, I go out to a restaurant and just see families or people just sitting there looking at their phones and just thinking, you know, you're missing a valuable opportunity. And so, um, yeah, keeping them off the table to have those, those conversations. I think those are, um, some helpful things. Um, has there been, I guess, as we start to, to close this out, uh, what maybe have been, and this might be a little bit of a vulnerable question. Um, what have been some of those, those struggles in your own family with your own children? I mean, I'm sure they're not going to be unique to your family, that many people struggle in the same ways. But some of those that have been the most challenging issues to try to think through and work through.
0: The digital world is compelling. Hmm. It's meant to be compelling. It's supposed to feel more lively than the real world. I have normal kids. Um, they have my DNA, which means that they're horribly broken inside. Mm -hmm. I love them dearly. They don't always respond the way I want them to. And you start to bump up against the limits of parenting. There is no guarantee that your kids will actually accept and embrace everything that you wish that they would. Um, mine haven't, uh, that doesn't mean that I'm hopeless. We still are connected and we're still engaged and they still have to live their lives before the, the face of the Lord, just like I do. But you realize that you, you you cannot force someone to embrace a value system um, that, that they don't necessarily have. You can lead, you can model, you must lead, you must model inside of your own little spit part of Eden that God has gifted you with. You have to oversee that. Um, the serpent still enters in, uh, still is tempting, and still is very uh, persuasive. And I think in that, uh, my kids have both seen the grace of God um, as they have made mistakes and done things that are, are are not praiseworthy. I think that we're probably all all five of us are still in that process of of learning and experiencing God's grace um, more often through our failures and mistakes than we'd really like to believe.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, very good. Some helpful perspective uh, for sure. So thanks again for that, Bill. We will uh, continue our discussion uh, talking, kind of changing the conversation specifically to pastors and ways in which they can lead their congregation in this area. So I look forward to talking about that more tomorrow.